0: We just thank you for this opportunity to come together. We ask you to bless us, we study and look at your word and guide and show us what you would have us to see in this uh, section that we're reading. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Afak, And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and and when they had joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore has the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it comes among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh, and they might bring thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, which dwelled between the cherubim, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, and said, what means this great noise about the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there has not been such a thing thereto. Woe to us! Who shall deliver us out of the hand of the mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues and in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourself like men, O you Philistines. And you be not servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. Okay. We look here and remember we ended last week with an all Israel knew that that Samuel had been appointed to be a prophet. And we open this chapter with the word of the Lord came from Samuel. So Samuel has been speaking as a prophet for a while now, however long this, this while is. I remember the, the message Samuel had to give to Eli was, you and your boys are gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Nice thing to have to tell somebody who's been raising you as they're you know, raising you up and taking care of you in the temple, oh, you and your boys are gonna die. And uh, so that was his message. And it says the Israelites went out to fight the Philistines and they pit, pitched at Ebenezer, which Ebenezer is a little place just outside of Shiloh. And it's kind of funny that they use Ebenezer here because Ebenezer does not exist until later on when Samuel sets up a stone and calls it Ebenezer, which means helping stone. And it shows it was when God delivered them in a battle, so he sets up Ebenezer. Uh, So this is being written after the fact, and they're saying, okay, this this place that they were was called Ebenezer, and it's just above uh, Shiloh. And if you look at Shiloh, Shiloh is in the eastern part of uh, Ephraim. If you see it there on the map, the eastern part of uh, Ephraim. And the Philistines are over on Aphix, which is on the western part of Ephraim, uh, close to the coast, which makes sense because that coastal area is where the Philistines' homes, home is. So they've, they've been camped in Apex. the the army is camped just outside of Shiloh. And they're getting ready for a battle. And it says that the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and when they had joined battle, Israel was smitten, and the Philistines slew 4,000 people. And so they lost the battle. Now, if we remember our history, Israel is not being very spiritual at this point. It's not a surprise that they lost their battle. But we look at their attitude the people got together and said, Wherefore has the Lord smitten us today? <laughs> by these Philistines they were so dull spiritually that they didn't recognize that God was no longer on their side and this is some place that oftentimes Christians can get into we start sliding into sin we start making all these bad decisions and then we wonder why God is not blessing us like he used to uh, well God you, you, know, you used to give me blessings you used to bl- do this you used to do that why aren't you doing it now and God could be saying well let's see you're, you're lying you're stealing you're misrepresenting your company, you know, your company. Uh, you're committing adultery and fornication you know, why should I be blessing you <laughs> and basically that's what's coming in in this place but the people are so dull they don't understand it and they haven't invited the prophet to come and be able to explain it to them Okay, they never went to Samuel to get a blessing on this battle. They never even went to Eli to get a blessing on this. As bad as Eli was with God, they did not ever go to him and inquire of God, should we go to battle? There's nothing in there that says they did that. Okay, One of the things we're going to see about David is it seems like every time he went out to do anything with the army, he inquired of God, should I go do this? I'm not going to say he did it every time, but... You know, in the scriptures, it seems like every time he's going to battle, he says, "God, should I go do this? What should I do?" The people here have not inquired of God. They haven't even gone to Shiloh to even ask Eli. They've just gathered up. and Eli's the judge. okay? Eli's the judge at this time, and they're just going out to battle without even considering whether they should or should not. And they get beat. okay, And they get beat bad. they lose four four thousand people. Their answer is, God wasn't with us, so let's go get the Ark and take it into battle with us. <laughs> okay. Now we laugh about that, but this happens in, during the days of, of their traveling. The Ark went before them in many battles. So this is, this is a idea that, yes, maybe the Ark should go before them. But it's also the idea, God has left us alone, so let's go get the Ark. You know, maybe that will bring God's presence into it. It was a talisman to them. It was, if we have the Ark, in battle with us, we cannot lose. Same attitude the Jews in Jesus' day and even in, in the, before the first fall had, if God's temple is in Jerusalem, Jerusalem will never fall. And that's been their attitude very frequently. You know, we're, we're God's people. God dwells in this town, he dwells in this place, in the tabernacle, it will never be defeated. That was their idea. We've got the Ark of the Covenant. We've got the magic amulet that's going to protect us. And we see this in their attitude. It's not God that they're looking for because they go, let's, let, uh, verse 3, let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us that when it comes among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. Not God will save us. It was literally the Ark of the Covenant that they were looking at to be their savior. And this is something, even Christians can do this. You know, they look at you know, as important as God's word is and to us, sometimes people, it's the Bible that, that does it. No, it's the God, of the, Bi- the God of the Bible that does it. It's If I go to church, I can earn God's favor and he will bless me. No, if you're not coming to worship God you're, and serving God, you're not going to get the blessing of God out of, out of it. So we're seeing here that they're saying hey, that, that, that wonderful thing in the middle of the Holy of Holies. I'd like to know how they got it out of the Holy of Holies, because you weren't supposed to go into the Holy of Holies except one time a year. So they're, even there, they're being disobedient. Okay? They're, they're not following God's rules for, for worship, and they're now taking the Ark of the Covenant out of the Holy of Holies and sending it into battle. It and it didn't fry them. It may show you how far, off the, how far off they are from God. God's presence right now is not dwelling at the, at the tabernacle. And this is sometimes there are people in churches where God's presence does not dwell mm-hmm. and they get away with a lot of stuff because God's not there and if God showed up he would probably be kicked out uh, uh, God you know you, you're a little strange we don't want what you want I mean we, we, we like being called a Christian church but you know you just stay out there with your your rules your regulations and your your desires we, we'll just use your name <laughs> and uh, we see that here you know we're your people God but you know we're going to do things our way you know you know don't don't try to tell us what what to do how to do it now God may have sent them out to battle if they had gone and inquired of him and said you know shall we go to battle with the Philistines he may or may not have sent them out but they never have done that part and here's the closest they come they're gonna send people to Shiloh to get the Ark of the Covenant now we notice that the ones that come with it verse 4 so the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring thence the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord of hosts of the Lord of hosts, which dwelt between the cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant. I have a feeling that they did not even talk to their dad about this. You know, it was one of these things, we need the Ark of the Covenant to be, be uh, victorious in this battle, and they went out. Because we're going to see later on that Eli is worrying about this whole, <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant, not being where it belongs. So you get this impression, it doesn't say it clearly, but you get this impression of, he never gave his... Approval for the ark to, to leave, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I'm obviously aware of it because he's going to tell us later. But he, and as we know, he has no control over his boys. They're going in, taking the best of the sacrifices out before before they're sacrificed. They're sleeping with with the women at the door of the t- of the tabernacle. He has no control over his boys. So I think this is what happened. The guys come, they talk to Hophni and Phineas, and they say, "Yep, sure, we'll go with you." And you, know, you can picture Eli coming out. Where are you guys going? You can't take this with you. And they're going. We're going to the battle, Dad. You know, the Ark of the Covenant will win the battle for us. They're not even looking at God. They're just looking like at the Ark of the Covenant. You know, this this magic thing is going to, to, to give us our victory. And Israel does this even with God's things. They make them idols. The tabernacle, the, the, tab, the temple, the, tab, uh, the, the ark of the covenant, all become idols. It's not God they're worshiping, it's the, the things. If you remember the, the bronze serpent that was put up in the wilderness when they were being bit by snakes, and all you had to do was look at the bronze serpent and, and uh, be healed, that became an idol that they worshiped. Hezekiah had to destroy it because it was being worshiped. And that's many years later. They had turned it into an idol. You know, it wasn't God they were worshiping, it's that, that serpent. That serpent has power. That that bronze serpent has power. It's not it's not God. If they if they could have gotten to the ten the actual Ten Commandments that were in the ark, they probably would have worshipped the, the the actual Ten Commandments written on by God's finger. Humans have this innate ability to just start worshiping anything. You know, whatever. And especially if it was used by God. We read in the New Testament that people were taking the towels that Paul wiped the sweat off his brow and taking them and, and people were being healed. God honored it. It was just strange. These things were, were being used for this thing. The Catholic Church started building whole churches around different relics of supposed relics anyway. And, but this is the way man is. This is special. <laughs> you know, because, because God used it sometime in the past, it in, a, in and of itself has become special. You know, it holds God's presence, or whatever they were looking at. I don't know fully what they were looking at. You know, this item has God's presence in it. And if this girl doing it in a different way, like they're not worshiping God, like a movie star, they're selling one like, of their I want this certain item because this guy, this this movie star had it. Mm-hmm. So instead of you know like doing God, they're doing the same. Way. They're doing things to people. Yeah, to people. And I'm sure that was done in those yeah. days too. So it's. You know because when David kills Goliath he takes the sword and puts it in the temple they put his armor in the temple uh, so there's these relic relics and stuff that end up being special special relics I mean, we have all kinds of things that we put great esteem in, and power in and here they're looking at the relics of the very relics of the temple you know, tabernacle which are special because God said they're special but have no intrinsic value at all they were a shadow of the heavenly temple uh, where God sits in heaven and they're going this is special just because it was anointed it was special and you know and as I said they go they weren't not saying we're going to bring this in we're not we're going to bring the ark of the covenant into battle and God will deliver us because he's in our presence but it says it the actual ark of the covenant was what they put their trust in not God of the ark of the covenant now, you know this is going to be one of those things that's going to be interesting because Hophni and Phineas come, and remember the name. These guys' names are really, really precious names. One's one one's pugilist, and one is mouth of brass. So they have really wonderful names. So so fighter and 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 uh, one who can't speak kindly is <laughs> coming in to, to carry you know to be with them as they go into this battle. And these guys are also are very sure that the Ark of the Covenant is going to be, make them victorious. Because otherwise they wouldn't be there. If they didn't believe it, they wouldn't have gone into battle with it. They really believe that this, the Ark of the Covenant being in the battle is going to win the day. And, uh, and it says, verse 5, When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang. And it's a very fancy way that they were yelling so loud that there were echoes all over the place. And this was a war cry. They're excited. They're going to win the battle now. They're going to win the battle. And if you look at the distance between the two camps, there's quite a bit of distance. And yet it's loud enough that the Philistines hear, the, hear all this commotion. Because the Philistines in verse 6 goes, What is this noise? What is this noise about? And you know we hear, hear a shout, what means it. In the camp of the Hebrews, and it says, And they understood the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. So they obviously sent some spies over to find out uh, what's going on over there. Let's find out. You know, these guys got these guys just got beat soundly, you know, lost 4,000 men and, and ran away from us. And now they're celebrating, they're celebrating, they're having a party. What's going on? Are, are they really that insane, or what's going on? And you can picture them thinking they're insane, you know, these guys are celebrating. They just lost a battle decisively and there's celebration over there. And you know, it's kind of interesting because we look at what the Philistines say in verse seven. And the Philistines were afraid for they say, God is in the camp. They understood what the Ark of the Covenant represented. The Israelites don't understand what the Ark of the Covenant represents. You know, in their mind, they're kind of thinking about God, but you know, remember they said, the Ark of the Covenant will save us. The Philistines are in fear. Their God has entered their camp. Now, in one sense, they're still, they're still misunderstanding because they, they worship idols. You know, it would be like them going to the Temple of Dagon and dragging Dagon out of the Temple on a cart and bringing him into camp and say, our God is in the camp. So they thought that the Ark literally was their God because okay? they understood that the Ark of the Covenant sat in the in the holy of holies, so in their mind, their God has entered into the camp. Okay. Do they think not, that God is more powerful? Well we're gonna see what they thought about them. And we, we see that. They are worried because what do they say? Their God is coming. well unto us they, because this such a thing has not happened. Israel has never brought their God out of their temple and into their camp before. Okay, so this got a kind of concern because like I say, in their mind They've just taken their God out of the temple and brought him into their camp. And then verse 8, Woe well, is unto us, for who shall deliver us from the hand of the Almighty God? These are the gods, and they use the words, that, that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the, and in the wilderness. They know the story of how God destroyed, the Israelite God destroyed Egypt. Now they could have gone on, and we know the story of how they destroyed Moab and Ammon and, and all these different places. We know the story how they put the Canaanites in their place and, and all this. They go back to the one real true victory where it was a complete devastation of Egypt. And they're going, we're a little worried, okay? Why would they know about Egypt? Well, they border Egypt. They're right on that coastal line and, they, and the bottom part of their land borders Egypt. They know the story from Egypt. Egypt was wiped out, and they know it. Mm-hmm. And this shows you, we're talking a couple hundred years, 100 years or 200 years since, maybe even 400 years since Egypt, and they remember. They remember Egypt. It's pretty sad that you know, in our modern day, we can't remember things back 100, 200, 300 years ago, and these guys are remembering back 400 years. <laughs> well, the story, it would be a big story. You know, our re- very strong neighbor on this side was defeated by our apparently very weak neighbor on this side, but their god defeated them. And that story's gonna re- reverberate. Mm-hmm. They're gonna think about all the different gods that were defeated in Canaan by, by their god also. And here they are, as far as they're concerned, their god is now in the camp coming out into battle. And they're worried. It says, woe to us, alas, you know, we're, we're, we are about to be defeated basically in their minds. And they're getting ready to go into the battle half defeated already. They're coming in believing that they're gonna be defeated. Okay, Uh, there's never been such a thing like that. This is that God that destroyed Egypt. And then they encourage themselves. Be strong, quit yourselves like men, O you Philistines, that you be not the servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. You know, get some courage you know quit quick going into it quit thinking you're going to be defeated get get brave get courageous and they talk themselves into it but they're still very worried about this as far as they're concerned the very God of Israel is in the in the enemy's camp coming out to war and if you believe that you'd be in a pretty tough spot and it really does show you that there was many other nations that honored the power of God and respected him they may not have worshiped him because Israel never invited them to worship their god but i think if they had ever invited people to worship their god they would have jumped at the chance shows that they, knew quite a bit going on. they understood their god they understood the power of their god they feared the power of their god which is kind of strange that they kept trying to conquer them knowing the power of their god uh and next chapter we're going to read some very funny stories of what what god did you know to them uh but so we see here, they seem to know more about what's going on than the Israelites. They, they know that God can fight on the Israelite side, and they're afraid that He's going to fight on Israelites on the Israelite side. And, they, and they're encouraging others: "Be strong, <laughs> stay, stand firm, you know, act like men, <laughs> and uh, don't you know." And then I love this: "That you be not the servants of the Israelites, the Hebrews." okay they've been our servants for now we're not going to see this turn around be strong and uh, that's going to encourage them a little bit you know they're still afraid of this other God uh, Dagon has not stood up against their God in the past and, and uh, so they're worried so they're encouraging one another. All right verse 10 and the Philistines fought and the Israelites were spinning and they fled every man into his tent and there was a great slaughter and for their fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the Ark of the God was taken. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. All right. Israel goes in with this battle absolutely sure that they're going to win because the Ark of the Covenant was going into battle with them. And the Philistines wipe them out. Kill 30,000 people and the rest of the people run for their lives. Phinehas and Hophni are killed. And the Ark of the Covenant... Is captured. Not a pretty place for the Israelites. They are going to be completely dejected. Okay. They have lost the Ark of the Covenant. Two priests, two priests that they really don't care about are dead, you know, so that might be they might joy in that part. But the Ark of the Covenant's gone. And thirty thousand men died. Okay. This is a serious blow. The thirty thousand men would be bad enough. Losing the Ark of the Covenant is really bad. It's supposed to be in the temple. Okay. Uh, Not with the Philistines. And we see here a big picture. What are we going to do? You You can almost feel the despair in their hearts. They never put their heart, their trust in God. They never sought God to say, should we go to battle? They put their trust in a thing and not God. And you know we see this oftentimes with people. There's a lot of times when, when Christians get so enamored with the gifts of God that they forget that they should be worshiping the giver. And we start getting actively participating. Well, God, I want the gift. Give me the gift. Give me the gift. And as God says, well, I want you to have me. You know, have me and have the gift as well. But you're not going to get just the gift. And here is that same type of situation. They didn't want God. They just wanted the thing that represented God in their, in their mind. If they could have brought the whole tabernacle, they probably would have brought the whole tabernacle into the battle. Uh, but the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, where the blood was put on once a year and, and God sat between the cherub. you know, here, Here's our victory, because this represents God's presence instead of looking for God. lost it. And they lost everything. And they lost everything in the process. So we have here a pretty... In- tense situation the people are now demoralized this is this is you know complete and utter defeat God has been taken God has not delivered them it was bad enough when they just thought God did not deliver them now they had God's presence they thought and that symbol of God's presence is now taken and they're going to have a really hard hard time with this verse 12 and there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came unto Shiloh that same day with his clothes rent and his and earth upon his head, and he came to came and when he came low, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it all the city cried out, and when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What means this noise the noise of this tumult? And the man came hastily and he told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were dim and he could not see. And when the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army. And I fled today out of the army. And he said, what is it? What is it there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israelite fled before the Philistines. And there has been a great slaughter among the people. And your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas are dead. And the Ark of the God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backward on by the side of the gate and his, broke his neck and he died and he was an, for he was an old man and heavy and he judged Israel 40 years. <laughs> all right, so we get this man of Benjamin who flees from the battle. All right, and instead of going home like all the rest of these guys did, he decides to run to Shiloh. Uh, I don't know why he wanted. To, maybe he was a messenger. I don't know if he had an actual title or not. But he runs for for Shiloh. Uh, maybe maybe he wanted to be the bearer of bad news. I you know, I don't know what motivated him to go go there go straight there. Spread right, bad news. And maybe you know, he could have been the messenger. He could have been the, the the commander's messenger and said, go tell go tell Eli the the battle's going bad. or the battle battle is lost, whatever it might be. So he might have been an official messenger because Eli is the judge. So he could easily be the official messenger. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us why he ran straight to. It does tell us that his clothes were torn and earth was on his head. So at some point, he has taken time to bewail the situation himself and tore his clothes and, and threw ashes upon his head and... And all that, because that's how he's pictured. As somebody who has taken the time to mourn. Because this is a big deal to them. God has been taken. Yeah. God, God himself was taken from, their, from them. And he gets to the, gets to the city, and, and it tells us that Eli was sitting there watching, and his heart trembled for the ark of, the, ark of, the, of God. And this literally means his innermost emotions... We're trembling, we're, we're worried about the ark. And this is why I say, I think his sons took this without his permission. Because if he had inquired by God and sent it out with God's permission, he wouldn't have been worrying that to that degree. And going, okay, God said go, they'll be back. But I think he's sitting there, my sons took this, I couldn't, couldn't stop them from taking this, and now. God will you bring this because remember he's already told his sons when you sin against God who who's going to be the, who will defend you if you sin it against man God may defend you but you've sinned against God and who's going to defend you he's already had the promise from remember the first prophet the man of God that came to him and said because you can't control your sons you and your sons are going to die then Samuel comes along and reiterates the message to him God says you and your sons are going to die and now we see in a place where my sons are in danger and they took God's presence with them. And he knows that God is not on their side. So I think he's very, he is legitimately concerned. Now he should have been a good father or at the very least a good priest and said no you're not going anywhere with this. I'm the, I'm the one in charge and you are not taking this. 98 years old. Well, he is 98 years old and he would probably have a rebellion on his hand because it was the people who wanted to bring the, the Ark of the Covenant to the battle anyway. Okay, so if he said no, they're gonna, it's very quite possible they would have taken it anyway, in spite of what, in spite of his objections. And he might have still objected and had them say, no, we're gonna go in his son's sighting son's in there. You know, Not enough is told to us about all of this. But we do see he's worried. It went out there without his blessing. It went out there without him you know, being con- convinced that it should be going out to battle. And how, you know, whether he gave a tacit approval or they went completely against his will, we don't know. We just see this, it's out there and he's trembling, he's fearful, what's going to happen? You know, if they take this, you know, and he's, he might even be thinking the very practical, if they take this, how do we practice, how do we practice Yom Kippur? <laughs> you know, the Day of Atonement, how, do, how where, where am I going to put the blood? But they take the Ark of the Covenant and it's taken. Okay, he might have been thinking that practically. Uh, We don't know what he's thinking, but we do see that he is worried about this. And all of a sudden, he hears the town out, you know, the town getting all excited. And it's not not an excitement of praise, it's an excitement of mourning. There's a noise and the wailing that he's hearing. And he goes, what is all this noise? And it says, the man came hastily or quickly Eli he didn't stop long in the town just long enough into town to tell them what happened you know, terrible news thousands of people have died the Ark of the Covenant is gone and Phineas and and Hophni are dead now if you had started with Phineas and Hophni, people probably would have been cheering but you know the rest of it is not cheerful you know and they don't want to see them die at the at the high cost that it cost them the very in their mind very presence of God has been lost and it's a pretty serious deal for them. And, and Eli, when he hears it, falls, falls off his chair. You know, uh, might have even had a heart attack even before he broke his neck. You know, He's been worried about the Ark, Ark of the Covenant going out and trembling, and when he hears that news, that might have been enough to even cause a heart attack, but he says he broke his neck. So we're gonna accept that he died of a broken neck. Uh, but somehow he fell backwards off his, off his chair with his news. And I love the way it says he was, he was old and heavy. In other words, he was fat. <laughs> you know? And uh, ended up falling backwards, breaking his neck. And ended up dying out of this. You know? So God's word was fulfilled. At one fail swoop, he loses his two sons and in his own life and God removes Eli from his from his position and you know this is the thing when God speaks something we will know that it will that it will happen may take a long time for it to happen you know the the judgment on Eli and his sons was not instant we had the one man that gave his gave his testimony you know gave the prophecy then we have Samuel come along and he's been there for several years before he gets the message from God himself and he gives the message. And then we see, you know, that's why I brown out between 3 and 4 there seems to be a pretty good delay as Samuel is being lifted up as the leader. All right. Now how old was he when we when he got the first message to when he finally got uh, to be the leader? I don't know, but we see that there's some time here. And this is why people when they look at God's curses or or judgments and going, you know, well, you know, it's been a long time since God said he was going to do that, you know, he must have forgotten or he must have fallen asleep or whatever. You know, Jesus was supposed to return instantly. You know, it's been it's been 2000 years. Where is he? You know, everything goes on the way it's always gone. People people are sinning, people are getting away with their sin and Jesus hasn't returned yet to start his kingdom. It must never going to be happening. And we can hear that if you talk to some people who are non-Christians who know anything about, you know, some of the prophecies are going, yeah, people have been saying, and you hear from Christians too, yeah, people have been saying Jesus is going to return for 2,000 years. He's not back. It's not going to happen anytime soon. You better be careful. There's nothing that has to happen. Jesus could return right now while we're in this room. This evening when we finally make it home or on our way home or whatever, he he can return at any moment. And we need to keep that in mind. He keeps his word no matter how long it seems to take for him to do it. Because from God's perspective, it's not been very long. He's an eternal being, and everything about time is just a blink of the eye to him. So that what we consider a long time, generations of time, millennia of time, he looks at it and says, "Yeah, it's only been a second, what are you guys, what are you guys worrying about? Now I, I will fulfill it. It'll happen in its right time, and I'm sure that Eli and, and his sons were probably beginning to think, well, you know, yeah, that prophecy was eight years ago, ten years ago, however long ago it was. Yeah, and maybe God's forgotten about it. You know, Hophni and Phinehas think they're getting away with it. Yeah. I think Eli realizes it's going to happen at some point because he seems to be, he seems to be halfway godly okay at least in his own life you don't see him you know he gives the the blessing on Hannah and says she's gonna have a child she has her child he puts the blessing on her and says you're gonna have more children because of your honoring God she has more children we see that he at least appears to be a righteous man in his own life he has not imparted it into his children and he doesn't seem to be imparting it on the nation but he seems to be a righteous man, so I think he understands eventually he and his children are going to die, and they're going to die quickly, in, in, in quick succession, just as the prophecy says. His sons are probably thinking, you know, well, you know, we've been like this now for you know, years, nothing's happened, we're, we're going to get away with it. Why, why else would they go into battle with the Ark of the Covenant thinking that God was on their side? You know, he yeah. hasn't judged us yet, he's not going to judge us. And then he, said, then he puts himself right in the middle of this battle, and God says, OK, here we go. You, you're not on my side. You haven't been following me. And now he takes their lives. And then Eli just reacts very harshly to the news and collapses. Now, he may have fainted. You know, he may not have had a heart. Maybe he fainted and fell off the back of the chair. Whatever it was, he fell off the back of the chair. And he fell backwards. So there was a shock of some sort that made him fall backwards. And he dies. And it says he was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel for 40 years. That's a pretty good time to be judging Israel for. Now, we don't know when he started. There doesn't seem to be an event that made him start, at least not recorded. But he's judges for 40 years in the 98, which means he started at 58 years old, so he didn't, he didn't start out as a spring chicken either. All right? All right, verse 19. And his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child, Near to be delivered, and when she heard the tidings that the ark of of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, and her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman that stood with her said unto her, Fear not, for you have borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod saying the glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God is taken and because her father-in-law and her husband and she said the glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. All right. Eli is not totally childless as we find out here. Uh, His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas has a child and she hears the news and the shock puts her into labor and that's been they, they say that can happen I, I don't know for sure but it definitely happened here her husband died her father-in-law died and the Ark of the Covenant is gone okay that's pretty shocking news to her it was enough for Eli to fall off the back of his chair and die it puts it puts his daughter-in-law into labor okay uh, and it says that when she heard these, that she that she went into her into labor and travailed, uh, and which means was in distress. So she is she is distressed. She's not just in labor; she is emotionally distraught. Her husband's dead. Her father-in-law is dead. Uh, you know, as far as they're concerned, the ark of the covenant is gone. Israel Israel is dead. And we got you know. This is why I try to bring them up the ark of the covenant is gone. In their mind, God has departed from them and been conquered. As far as they're concerned, their country is defenseless. And we can't really picture what that might be like. It might be like us losing our entire nuclear arsenal and losing our greatest defense and saying, OK, now our enemies are all around us. And that even that's not close enough to what they're, they're thinking. God, our defender, our, our victor, the one who defends us, even though they're not following him, <laughs> is gone. We are going to be history we will be conquered and sent back into slavery just as we were under the egyptians and so there's this worry and this this daughter-in-law of Eli has her baby and just before she got, was to die from childbirth they say don't fear you've got a son you've got a son your, your name is the name the family name is going to continue and it says here she did not answer neither did she regard it and this is a very strong word in the Hebrew it meant that she did not even lay a heart attitude on it she would not consider the child at all okay no heart longing for it because the word is lay the heart or the innermost emotion she would not look at this child and acknowledge that child as a blessing 20 she did. Or just right after childbirth. Yeah, she's going to die. And, but the thing about this is, like I said, she did not even take any pleasure in this child. Uh, and it's very rare that we see that kind of attitude. The, the woman in that day, they had a child that was a blessing. You gave a child to your, to your husband, you gave a child to the family. All she saw is, my husband's dead, my father-in-law's dead, and, God, and God is gone, and I'm dead. Yeah. You know, so what, I have a child, but everything is bad. Everything is bad, and we see that in the name of her child, and she named the child Ichabod, which means no glory or the glory has departed. Mm. All right? uh, she didn't like that child. And she wasn't very, well, in her mind, she, was, she had despaired. She didn't even want to live at this point. Because she, like I say, we can't even imagine what she is going through. Okay, Husband died bad enough. Father-in-law died bad enough. God is dead as far as she's concerned because he just got conquered and he's not as strong as she thought. She is in total despair at all this bad news. She's dying and has no will to live. And as far as she's considered she's delivered her son into the worst possible time that she could have a living son at that point probably not probably It would be like for us if somebody was to have a child during, during, at the beginning of the tribulation period okay all the church is gone God seems to be gone there's nothing but trouble ahead for seven years why do I want this child to live and could use just that term. We're going to name the, chair, the child Ichabod. All the, the church is gone. God's glory is gone. There's nothing but despair. And this child is going to have nothing but a hard life in front of them. And that's what she sees. She doesn't see any hope for Israel. There's no hope in her heart at this point in time because she's lost, as far as she's concerned, everything. There's nothing good in her mind. And to have that much despair would have to be sad. And yet she's sitting there saying, you know, I'm going to name him Ichabod. The glory of Israel is departed from Israel because the Ark of the God is taken and because her father-in-law and her husband were dead. And you notice the order she put it in. Okay, The Ark of the Covenant was the most important one to her because God is, as far as she's concerned, God died. And if he didn't die, he's not he's now been conquered by Dagon so what what good is there for them anyway and uh, we need to understand this when Israel has been defeated when the Babylonians defeated them they celebrated with their gods being victorious over the God of Israel mm. and this is what would happen when one nation defeated another nation it was an indication that your God was stronger than their God because otherwise their God would have given them the victory in their mind? So this happened, if you defeated this people, you celebrated and usually put their stuff in your, in your temple. And we're gonna see they're gonna do just that. Uh, you, you, put their, you put their great treasures in your temple because your God is won, their God is lost. And oftentimes they would take the idols out of one, one, one town and drag them in and put them in the temple of their gods and say, here's our God, here's your God, your God lost. Yeah. Uh, kind of petty, but, it was, but, it, but when you truly believed in it, that's what it was. Israel did the same thing. Our God won. You know, they didn't usually put things in his temple, but, but it was like, our God is stronger than your God. We're going we're gonna to win this battle because our God is, is greater than your God. And this is a big deal. I mean, we don't even comprehend what a big deal this is to Israel. Uh, you know, it is all of a sudden, God lost it isn't them that lost in their mind god lost the battle now, never mind the fact you never asked god to go in the battle never mind that you didn't have, you didn't ask god whether you should be taking his ark of the covenant in the battle never mind that you've been sinning and don't deserve anything from god at all period as far as they're concerned god just got beat and god's still sitting on the throne of heaven he's still he's still in control yeah uh, He's just telling me, okay. So they took one of my things. You know, took took something that took something from you that you thought was sacred. Yeah, doesn't bother him at all, huh? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not dead. They haven't defeated me. I'm, I'm still. Dead. <laughs> I, I'm still in heaven. I'm still God. There's not a problem to me. Yeah. But in their mindset, God has been defeated. Now, how does this mean? Well, so, what does this mean to us in our day? God's not dead. He's surely alive. Very good. I like that. But you know, Christians oftentimes, when we lose a big battle, like the 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 battle in the Supreme Court for the, the uh, you know said that homosexuality was you know banning homosexuality was against the Constitution, and Christians took that pretty heavily. God, how could you let something like this happen? You know, so often we will blame God for things that aren't His blame to begin with. And sometimes we can get defeated by things that we see going on in our life that, God, how could you let you know fill in the blank, you know, whatever it is? How could you let me lose my job? How could you let my house burn down? How could you let my my spouse you know leave me? How could you take the life of my spouse? You know, how could you let my kids go off the deep end and away from you? you know, and you know, God's looking at you and saying, Well that's part of life in the fallen world. Don't blame. God, you died. You went on vacation. You okay. forgot about me. You're not who you say you are. And God, you know what's going to happen because you know everything you have that we're going to do anyway. Yeah. And you still let it happen, God. How could yeah. you? Uh, you know, but we need to be very careful because God is still where He is, He's on His throne. And He's got a reason for everything He allows to do, and He's got a reason for letting them. Take the Ark of the Covenant and the next chapter is a, is a hilarious chapter when you, when you read about it because it's God judging them for, you, you think you you think you beat me? <laughs> Let me show you. Uh, yes, yeah. humor. God is very humorous. God is very humorous in what he does. And if you could just see the humor in some of what God does sometimes, it can be very interesting when you look at it and say, God, I just don't understand this. And you can just picture God just smiling and kind of smirking. You know, I'm just having a little, I'm just having a little bit of fun. You know, I, I, I let this go so that I could do these. Yeah. I'm going to show you my power. Yeah. And it's not in that Ark of the Covenant. It is in me. It is not in your prayer life. It is in me. It's not in your good deeds. It's in me. It's not even in your bad deeds. <laughs> it's in me as long as we recognize who he is and what he's doing. And we need to really get to this point where we say, God, you are in charge. You are always where you are, sitting on your throne. You are always in control. You are a good God and you will make good things happen. We just need to find out what those good things are. And usually it's the good things are not what we think the good things are. But you know, that's exactly what Adam and Eve did in the garden. You know, hanging around the tree you know they had to be hanging around the tree wondering why they couldn't eat that tree and then the, and then Satan comes along and says well did God really say and we're looking at it and going why why would you do something like that and and then Adam willingly follows his wife probably not to be separated from her probably not to be separated from her you know but uh, <coughs> ended up cursing all of humanity out of the deal and the earth and everything else <laughs> yeah. everything in creation was cursed because of his fall. we we have our own sins and our own problems that we have to deal with at the same time so all right let's close in prayer lord we just thank you for this evening we thank you for your love for us in spite of what we do lord lord help us to not be presumptuous and to take steps on our own without consulting you and suffering the consequences of those actions. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.